Well, I'm going to share in the Word today, and I, am, I just want to thank the worship team because even where they went in worship today was just sweet. Do not take that for granted. Can I have an amen on that? We need to encourage them and edify them and build them up and thank them for what they're doing because uh, they just preached a message prophetically, and it lines right up with where I'm going to go today. And so I really believe the Lord has set the stage for us. And I'm trying today. I, feel, I felt all morning. I told Karen when we were pulling in the parking lot this morning uh, that Denny Kramer's prophetic word that he spoke over me, that, that I was going to teach prophetically and preach prophetically. I have some clue that there's something going on this morning, that there's going to be probably a change in direction even as I'm preaching, that there's probably going to be things come out of me that probably aren't on my notes. <laughs> and I'm going to try to walk in that today. You know, we're, we're, in, we're, in, a, we're in a real um, change in the realm of the Spirit right now, guys. And uh, I thank God for everyone that's here today. If you're, if you're new to New Covenant um, you're, or you're looking for a church and God's calling you here, uh, let it be that he calls you here. Um, we're, we're not into church hopping and swapping and wiping other sheep's rear ends that don't belong here. Um, <clears throat> I will wipe your rear end if you belong here. And I will help you clean up your life. Now, I'm saying that. That's a prophetic statement. If you'll kid it, it's not to be rude or arrogant or uh, callous. Um, but one of the prophecies over my life is that I am to change my leadership style and become more confrontational to help people clean their life up. And because we're raising up an army, not a nursery. Everybody say army, not a nursery. God's raising up an army, army. Not, a not a nursery. Now, for years, I have been in the nursery business. And God is changing and he's moving because we're entering in a new um, season of the Lord. And we talked last week about, or last year, about not being a nursery, baby bottles to hand grenades, and now God's wanting to move and take us into a different area. And he's wanting to take us into different training and equipping. And as the worship team played today, um, I thought it was just uh, very obvious. There was a militant thing to our worship. There was an intercessory thing. There was this thing of prepare yourself. Get ready. It's time to fight. Amen. Well, if we, were be, if we were to be able to look one, two, three, and, and I think we can. We can look prophetically into the future. God can speak what is going to happen. He could, today, he could prophesy and say, in three years, there's going to be this that happens. The whole world's going to turn upside down, da-da-da-da-da, and these things are going to happen. And it would give us a sense of urgency. Oh, wow, I better prepare. 
And I see in the realm of the Spirit that God is preparing us, and he's preparing a church, and not just New Covenant. I see this going on throughout the body of Christ. We're not the only ones. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. We're part of the body, and we, have, we are a brigade. We are a troop that has to get our part right so that the other parts of the body in this region, as they get their part right, we actually move as one unit. And our responsibility is to possibly take a flank side or to do something different when it comes spiritually. There's a purpose for which new covenant exists. And we are existing because God has called us to raise up a young generation, a young people who are passionate, aggressive lovers of God. But when you raise up people, you raise them up for a purpose. It's not just that they become lovers of God. It's that it goes from the head to the heart and then to the hands. Tom shared on that not too long ago. It has to work out into our hands that we accomplish something for the kingdom. We don't just stay here praising God, kumbaya. That this force, this army is, is being built up for a purpose and a reason. A reason. And so you are a part of the body of Christ. You are a part of this. And so it does require us to personally get in alignment and be prepared. I know many people when they go to boot camp, before they go to boot camp, they start running and they start exercising so they don't, aren't, don't look like a fool when they get there. And they start training even before they come. Well, we're kind of in a spiritual boot camp. And some will prepare and some won't. I'm not stupid. Some people will jump in and some won't. But I'm praying that today, as we begin to share in the word, I don't know how far I'll get. We're just going to trust the Lord. He'll show us where to go today. Some will allow themselves to be prepared. Some will engage. Some will get part. And I hope today that the Spirit of God begins to move something on the inside of you to where we have a multitude of people that want to get in and move ahead. And that you are not one of those who fall behind and choose not to get in. I want you in. Tell somebody, I want you in. I want you in. And so if the Lord was to warn us and say this was going to happen, the urgency of getting prepared would take, would take on a different set of eyes. And it would change and it maybe affect you. Well, I think the Spirit of God is trying to do that, and He's trying to prepare us for something. I look back about five years ago when we even started doing uh, Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. <laughs> God even then, even prophetically, put something in, in me that the body of Christ needed to get lean and mean financially in order for what He wants us to accomplish down the road. Many people got into that journey and they got into that financial peace. Some did, some didn't. Some started, some quit. It's just part of it. But I tell you what, there's a purpose why God had us do that and continues to want us to do it. So we're going to go somewhere today. You with me today? That's kind of the introduction. So training and army is where we're going to go. If I was going to title this message, I would probably title it the cost of discipleship. Because you know what? When you're in training, there's a cost to training. It's not fun to train. Has anybody ever been in training physically for anything? 
It's not fun getting up at 5.30 in the morning and hitting the treadmill or whatever physical discipline you're going through. But my question today is if we were to take that same metaphor of training for something, how do you guys think, now we're not just talking about New Covenant, how do you think the body of Christ is doing? As a wider body of Christ, how are Christians doing at living their life for God? On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate her? Negative, Negative below the line. Yeah. I wouldn't quite go that far. <laughs> How are we doing at changing people's lives? What is going on in America in the church? The Christ, are there really a lot of Christians who are living radical, aggressive, passionate love for God? Is the body of Christ sold out disciples? Why do you think that is? Okay, now let's turn the tables. Are you living a radical, passionate, aggressive love for God? How are you doing? The goal today is not to depress you. We're going to give you hope today. We're going to get some answers of why we're not where we need to be. But it's going to take some changes. I want to give you some really some statistics. Right now, and may, I don't know how far I'm going to get. I'm trying to create some need right now. My desire is to make you see, uh, kind of take the, the scales off our eyes because... I was even talking to my son last night as we were talking about some of his wild clothes. Some of you saw them on Facebook, but he got all dressed up for his sister because I wasn't there. I was in Kansas City yesterday, believe it or not, and he got her a cassage and all that kind of stuff, and he wanted to present that to her as dad's replacement. And he got these free clothes from Kohl's yesterday or this week, and he, they were wowed. Pink pants and a lime green shirt. And they were free. They were free. And I challenged him and I said, I don't have a problem with your wild clothes whatsoever. When I was your age, I wore a pink polo and I thought it was sweet. And guys called me, you know what? But it wasn't that. It's I like that pink shirt. And I said, it's okay to have a pink shirt. It's okay to have those loud clothes. As long as you're not doing it to bring attention to yourself. And you're not trying to, to, to people please. But if it's because you really like those kind of clothes, I'm cool with that. He said, oh, no, I just like the clothes. I said, okay. But I said this. Let me as a dad say, you ask the Lord to judge your heart and say, God, is there anything in me that's trying to bring attention to myself? Because I don't want it to bring attention to me. Because here's what we talked about. Even the journey that Joel went through with his leg paralysis and the journey of his deliverance and his freedom, and he's walking free today. 
part of it was the deception of the enemy in making him think he was further along than he was. And this three months of being paralyzed was this aha moment. Whoa, I'm not serving Christ like I thought I was. And the Lord took him through this three month, and I said, this can be even the same thing with your clothes. You think you're not doing it for attention until you ask the Lord, show me what's in my heart. We're all deceived in areas of our life. Do you realize that? we got to have good people around us. Thank God Joel has a dad to challenge him. To say the difficult things out of love. Because when I share some of the statistics that I'm going to show you, the body of Christ is deceived on where she's at. Only 6% of evangelical born-again Christians obey the Lord in a tithe unto the Lord. Six percent are obeying God. Statistics, the same amount of men in the body of Christ and the world are addicted to pornography. Fifty percent of all divorces are ending in divorce. It's the same in the church as it is in the world. Why is there no difference? One in four people living together outside of marriage call themselves evangelical born-again people. One in four do not obey God. Now, I'm not wanting to get us into rules and regulations. It's a heart issue. It's a devotion issue. It's a following issue. I did some statistics on our own church to see where are we comparing to the, what the body of Christ as a whole. And we are a little better on the tithe. We're 40%. 40% give regularly to the house of God. That's a lot better, but we still have room to grow. Here's the big one. 60 to 80% of these people right here, when they hit 20, will leave the house of God. 60 to 80% of you will say, a river derchi. I can't have that. We can't lose a generation. Man, I love these guys. On our watch? On our watch, you're precious. Here's another one. 80% of Americans say they are Christians. (laughs) 
Mo, Curly, did you hear that? <laughs> Doink. Plenty of people call themselves Christians, but very few can even tell you what that means. They may call themselves Christians, but they also believe the Bible is full of errors and that God has not manifested himself in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Many do not even believe in the virgin birth of Christ. Now, I'm going to give you an example, and I'm going to move into my message. Are you guys with me? I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm painting some things, but guys, things cannot be as business as usual. Things have got to change in you. Say, things have got to change in me. Because I tell you what, if you compare yourself to somebody else, that is not. We are comparing ourselves to Yahweh Jesus. <laughs> I was at a funeral. Me and Abraham were on the very back row at a funeral in Indianapolis. My wife and daughter were up farther because we somehow got tangled up and we didn't get to sit in the same place. And we were at a family member's, okay, it's a complicated situation. Does anybody have any complicated situations in their family? Okay. My wife's cousin, who is 44 years old, has never been married, lover of God, adopted two teenage girls who came from a crazy, crazy life. Mom died of cancer, and that's why she adopted these two girls. These two girls, dad was never a part of their life. So an uncle raised them for a while before she did, and they were the, he was the only dad to them that the girls knew. You guys tracking with me? Well, he died at 50, 5-0. Is that young? So we're going to support the two girls that we've adopted in our family and treat as own, right? And you bring them into the family, and so we're going to the funeral. <clears throat> and I'm on the back row, and we're talking about as wide as this. Now, I want to put a disclaimer in here. I love gay people. I love them. And they need a relationship with Jesus Christ. But on this back row, all the guy, the guy that just died was gay, okay? I'm not criticizing him. And all these men start coming in and kissing on each other at the funeral, okay? And they're greeting each other, and me and Abraham are starting to get sick at our stomach. Not because of who they are, because I love them. We are, we are not coming against... Because God loves them. Can I have an amen? God loves them. Just like the alcoholic, just like the fornicator, just like the one addicted to pornography, he loves the world and gave his son for everyone. And there is love for everyone. But here's what begins to happen. He lived an openly gay lifestyle, and he lived an openly gay lifestyle, and they began to declare, the preacher began to declare that he was born again and he was a lover of God. And that he got in. Well, he didn't, they didn't say he was a lover of God. He's all right. That's what they said. He's all right. 
And here's what I want to say to you guys. 80% of Americans believe they're all right. But I want you to know, I've been at many, many places when people are dying. I've experienced many people dying. And I'm telling you, when you're dying, you want Jesus. When you're dying and you think you're going, all of a sudden everybody gets religious. And I know our gracious God gives everyone an opportunity at the last breath to call on his name. And I praise God and I thank and I hope and pray that this man did. But as I was sitting there, and I was at a funeral like two weeks prior to that, and they were talking about another person. And I'm sitting here going, there was no lifestyle of Christ. And the Lord said to me, do not sugarcoat the gospel. It's being watered down. It's being watered down. It's being watered down, and everybody thinks they're going. But Jesus said, broad is the path that leads to destruction. And narrow is the one that leads to life. We're going to go there a little later. And so here's the deal. There are people in this congregation that I know are not born again. Saddens my heart. And that's why we exist, is to give you and lead you to a relationship with Christ. Amen? But what I want to do today is I want to go into this issue. Because everybody wants to be a Christian. I'm going to read Matthew 7, 13. And I want to make one point. This isn't part of the PowerPoint, Chad. This is one of those things God added this morning. And I just mentioned it briefly. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13. Listen to it. You don't even have to go there. I want you to close your eyes and listen to it. See what sticks out to you. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a church growth strategy to me. Come to Jesus and it'll be hard. Come to Jesus and life will stink. It'll be so difficult. But here's my question. Where is the lasting life change in people's lives? Where are the transformed lives? Where are people in our churches? Why are they just like the world? Why are we not developing people who are Christ-like in America? Is the church full of unsaved people? My point is, I think there are fewer people who are truly born again, followers of Christ, than what we think. Now, that's the, that's the bad side of what I'm talking today. 
I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's just the way it is. Just like Joel, he thought he was further along than what he was. Deceived. I have been further along, thought I was further along down the road than what I was. Has anybody else been there? Is it easy to get in that camp? Absolutely. Well, I'm wanting to blast that thing today, and I'm wanting us to have a real awakening in our own hearts of what God is calling us to as he is raising up an army to be different than that. What I desire is to raise up full-fledged, radical, aggressive, passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That is our goal. Can I have an amen? Amen. An army of passionate lovers of God, an army of lovers where there is no doubt And I don't have to do your funeral wondering, were they born again? Do me a favor. Funerals are fun when I know. But you put me on the hot seat. I've done some funerals. It's like, what do I say? That's one blessing about having a young church. Not too many folks are dying around here. <laughs> do a whole lot more weddings than I do funerals. Woo! Glory. But we're wanting to raise up an army of people who are not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God to the salvation of everyone. So we're going to read some scriptures. Are you guys into the Bible? Yes. We're getting ready to read a scripture. They're going to put Matthew 28 up, verses 18. I want to set the context. Don't read it yet. Please look at me. Everybody look at me. Because I want to set the context of this scripture. I've got, I got, I got news for you. The Bible never says to make Christians. And the scripture that we're getting ready to read, this is the context. Jesus, that we just celebrated last week, had died and rose from the dead. Glory. Easter. He had died and he rose from the dead. And he's out of the tomb. He sees some girls, Mary, and come to the tomb. And he said, hey, hey, girls, it's me. (laughs) Who are you looking for? They've taken his body and we don't know where he's what. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? And then the light bulb comes on and they see it's Christ. And he says, go tell the brothers I've risen. I mean, come on, get excited with me, man. Wouldn't you do a hoedown? And Jesus tells him, he said, hey, hey, go tell him. And he says, guess what? Meet me at Galilee. Remember that mountain where we used to go hang out at? And we used to go talk, and I used to preach and teach, you know? Hey, meet me there. Okay, okay. So for 40 days, Jesus, after his resurrection, he meets with them and all this kind of stuff. And we're getting ready to read. We're getting ready to, to go to the scripture. 
We're getting ready to go to the scripture. Jesus now has them at the Mount, at Galilee. He's got his disciples. Some believed and some doubted. Is it really him? I mean, they're talking, dude, he's raised from the dead. Let's go jack with him. Let's go spend some time. So this is the scripture now. You guys with me? And this is what he tells his disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Sounds like some good stuff to me. Do we need some authority? And he said, because that authority has been given to me, he says, therefore now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The last commandment he gives them before he goes into heaven and leaves them, he tells them to go into Jerusalem and tarry not until the Holy Spirit comes. But he tells them, go and make Christians of all nations. Teach them to partially obey me. In my notes, I've definitely circled the word disciples and teaching to obey. And I've highlighted it on there. The Bible refers to the word disciple. Everybody see that right there? 267 times. Guess how many times the word Christian is? Three. It only says that the world started calling them Christians at Antioch. Acts 6, 47 says the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. If you go through the word, it talks about being disciples. Some were disciples of John, some disciples of Paul, some disciples of this one and that one. Disciples of Jesus. That's where the denomination, the disciples of Christ. So the Bible talks about this, the word of God spreading, the number of disciples increasing and the, and the level of obedience increasing the priest. I mean, just imagine the priest who had just been a part of crucifying the, the Lord of glory are now jumping ship. And they're now becoming obedient to Christ. That jacks me up. Let's look at another one. Acts eleven twenty six. I mentioned it. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, the Antioch disciples, and taught great numbers of people. A whole year. You guys might see where I'm heading. 
Here's what I believe. I believe churches are full of Christians, but they're not full of disciples. And I'm saying there's something different. I believe God's calling us to be disciples. There's something uh, about this where the Lord is trying to move us. And I believe this year the focus on discipleship, discipleship, discipleship has to be a major shift we make in this house. Making disciples teaching them to be obedient to all that I have commanded. Because I believe because there's been little to no discipleship is why we have the statistics that I just read. Because the model of the body of Christ in America has moved from you doing this discipleship to me doing the discipleship. The model in America has been, let the paid professional do that. Because if you're like me, if I was to rewind my life 20-some years ago, before getting into ministry, I felt inadequate. I felt unprepared. I felt like, I couldn't do that. And by golly, I started doing it, and it actually worked. Because ministry is not preaching behind a pulpit. Only few are called to do that. Ministry is when you teenagers help other teenagers that are messed up. And you help them to discover God. And you work with them to get there. When you, the body of Christ, when we actually help others in their walk with Christ. So, here's what I want to do. I want to go back to Matthew 28. How am I doing for time? I have to. You know, this is a series, okay? So, if you get part one today, you might have to come back next Sunday for part two. Is that okay? So, we'll try to land the plane wherever I feel led to land the plane for today. And then we'll, we'll take back off again next week. Hmm. Yeah, in Jesus' name. So, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It really sounds a lot like my prophetic words spoken over my life, doesn't it? Where God said, help them, help people clean up their lives. Right? Here's one of the things the Lord's put on my heart the last couple weeks. I really believe that prophetic word was more a prophetic word for us as a body than just me. I believe God is wanting all of us to become more confrontational to help people get their lives cleaned up. Amen. As we're praying and the Spirit of God was moving this morning, it was about alignment. It was about getting on the full armor of God. It was about getting in your right place. It's about obeying the Lord. Align your life with Jesus. And we need help to do that, don't we? What today I'm going to do is I'm going to go just into the meaning of disciple in this passage here. I'm going to go into the Greek a little bit and show you what that word really means because we need to get a hold or a grasp of what is it that God is calling us to so that way we can choose to either do it or not. 
Because some are going to, and some are. And I pray to God that when you see where God is taking us, you'll actually say, that's me. That is me. That is me. Okay, you guys want to know what that word means? I know it drives Tom nuts. He doesn't need the feedback from the congregation. It does something for me. (laughs) What do you think disciple means? Huh? Drop everything and follow God. Follow. Follow. Bob? Transformation. Ooh. Believer, obey. Okay. Well, we're you're 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 a lot right, and I'm gonna give you some more. Okay. If you break that down, because here's what I want to do. I want you to figure out today if you're an actual disciple. Disciple. <laughs> I want to find out today if you're a regular disciple or not. Because by golly, we're going to be Duck Dynasty around here. <laughs> so Uncle Cy over here says, are you a disciple or not? <laughs> okay. Here are some of the words out of the Greek. Are you a learner? Are you an apprentice, a follower, a pupil, or student of? And I love number five. One who accepts instruction and puts it into practice. Now you can write those things down if you want. It's 12 o'clock. The Greek word for disciple means you're a learner, you're an apprentice, you're a follower. There's many adjectives there. A pupil or student of. I met with Brother Ken this week and he said he's a student of John Maxwell, leadership coaching. Here's the part that I really see most people struggle with. Accept instruction. I'm following Jesus. If he instructs me to do it, I'll do it. But what I see in the Word of God that's modeled is that People were doing the instruction of the Word of God. Paul, Barnabas, the apostles, and then it multiplied from them doing it to other people doing it. How well are you at receiving instruction from other people? In my home, sometimes when I try to bring instruction, (laughs) anybody have any fun with that with their children? I'll go to him. Can I? Can we have a little talk? Talk? You want to talk? Yeah, I want to talk. Let's go to the bedroom. 
not the bedroom. This is serious. Can I, can I share a few things that I'm seeing? Yeah, if I get to share some things I'm seeing about you. <laughs> See, in the Greek here, as, as, as Jesus is telling his disciples, make, disciples are made. It's not a hands-off approach. It's not 12 words and yes, Jesus, come into my heart and then you're done. Flip, flip them over and good luck in your walk with Christ. Hope you make it. Oh, let me take you to Pastor Eric. Let me help, he'll help you. Eric, he, he needs disciples. That's another message. I'm getting off. Okay, we're wanting to know if we're disciples, right? One who follows another in regard to his or her ideas or beliefs. A person who imitates, copies, or takes as a model or ideal. Discipleship does demand transformation, but it demands relationship. You have to be in relationship with someone. You have to be in relationship with someone. Everybody say someone. someone. And that someone cannot always be me. But it needs to be us. Follower. Are you a follower? The ideal life of a disciple is focused on following Jesus it is not just trusting him or just believing him. And I said a, a prayer. But truly following him is about becoming more and more like him in the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God. To be conformed into his likeness is our goal. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. To imitate and copy him. But here's what I find in the body of Christ many times, is most people's goals are not to become like Christ, but the goal is to make life easy. Get me out of my jam. I was told that if I came to Christ, I would get all my heart's desires. I'd get everything that I wanted. Your life will get better. It'll get easier. Actually, the invitation to come to Christ is actually one of come and die. Come follow me as I follow Christ, Paul said. It was a call to die and to change your allegiance from yourself to him. Discipleship is a, actually you change your allegiance and say, I'm not the one in the lead. He's actually in the lead. I've heard so many people pray manipulative prayers to get what they want. 
Because they don't understand that discipleship and being a disciple is actually not what they signed up for. They actually signed up for a Santa Claus God. They actually signed up for a sugar daddy. Gimme, 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 gimme. I've got problems. Solve it right now. Change? No. Just solve the problem. Well, actually, it's the transformation that brings the change. It's actually the yielding to life to Christ that actually brings the change in finances, changes in the marriage covenant, changes in your relationship. It's the change that brings it. As I yield my discipleship to him and allow him to take, all of a sudden, my mind begins to change, and I find out I'm very selfish. I find that I'm all about me. Even in my worship, my worship can be about me getting my fix. Instead of me saying, I love you. It can be, oh, I have so many needs today. Oh, help me. I, I have so many needs. Will you come and make it about me? Please, make it about me. I'm throwing a little humor in there because I'm stepping on all of our toes. <laughs> it's painful around here. So I'm going to go into, I've created a lot of need and I've talked a lot about problems. But I want to talk about what does a disciple do? What is it that actually proves that I'm a disciple and not just a sugar daddy? So, Part two, if you want to know if you're a sci-fi brother, disciple, <laughs> come back more for Willie. <laughs> because, guys, the Lord is moving us into something. And yes, we're going to be convicted. Yes, we're going to be challenged. But yes, we're going to get to enlist in the mission of God. And I'm going to talk about next week how what not only what God called us to, I'm going to go a little further into the scripture about how Jesus almost exaggerates and he goes into these things where he tells them, well, if you want to be my disciple, hate your mom. <laughs> Kate, hate your mom? Oh, no. First time here. No, we love you. <laughs> But he exaggerates it, and he's not really saying, hate your mom, hate your dad, hate your mother or your sisters and your brothers. He's saying, love them less. He says hard things like, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Wow. If we start preaching that, you might empty the church. That's not a real great church growth strategy, Alger. The numbers might get thinner around here. But that's okay. I don't believe that's what's going to happen. Because I believe God is preparing us. I believe the Spirit of God is working with us. And I believe He's preparing an army. And we're going to enlist as soldiers and we're going to say, I'm in. 
I am going to be the disciple. I am in for this thing. I want to be part of that. Because I'm telling you, God is calling this house to do some great things, and he needs some great people to enlist. But we got to know what we're enlisting to. Because the word says in my Bible, above that scripture that we just read, the cost of discipleship. It has a cost. And I'm just crazy enough to believe that we're not the norm here and that we're willing to enlist in the army of God and do something about it and actually make a difference. And what I confessed over you at the beginning is not true. The Lord corrected me. This is not a hard crowd. This is a great crowd. A great people who love God and are passionate for him and want to actually fulfill his purpose and not their own. Amen. Amen. Stand with me. Mm-hmm. I just wet your whistle. I'm not taking you to a point of decision yet, although hopefully something's stirring in you to say, hmm, I need to know more about that. I need to make sure my life is lined up with what a true disciple is, and I'll review that just a little bit next week as we begin to march into what is the signs of a disciple, and what is the call, what are we signing up for? Let's just close our eyes. Father, I know I went a few different directions. Here's where I wanted to get personal for you. The Spirit of God is here in this house right now. And He's dealing with all of our hearts in a different way. But may I ask you right now, what is the Lord dealing with you on your heart? The precious person of the Holy Spirit is here. And maybe you've been making life all about you, who knows? But would you just quietly, I'm going to shut my mouth for a moment. It's hard for a preacher, I know. And I want you just to ask the Spirit of God, Lord, what are you wanting to do in my heart when it comes to this discipleship thing? Am I a disciple? Am I a pupil of the Lord? Do I accept instruction and then put it into action? Do I follow you well? Just ask me, Lord, do I follow you well? Doesn't take long to get the answer, does it? Now ask the Lord, Lord, what is one thing that you're wanting to instruct, instruct me on today about my life? What is one change that you're wanting me to make? Just ask him, go ahead, just ask him, Lord, what's one change that you want me to make? Teenagers, ask the Lord, what is one change you're wanting me to make, Lord? You are 
Does everybody have one area? Do you have one thing? Maybe the Lord's wanting you to change your worship and get more aggressive in worshiping Him. Maybe there's an area of your life that you've not been obedient and He's been convicting you on. Just ask the Spirit of God, what is the one area you're wanting me to focus on right now? Now my question is, will you tell the Lord Jesus today, this is not my intention, but this is what I'm going to do. I am going to obey you. Because a disciple is one who follows and obeys the Lord. Will you take that one area this week and will you share it with somebody close to you so that you can be held accountable and will you obey the Lord? Is that simple? Can you guys all do that? And I pray that you will email me this week and tell me the one area the Lord wants you to change and how you're obeying the Lord. And tell me the fruit of that obedience. I want to hear things like, you know, Eric, God told me that I'm not worshiping Him enough at home. And so I turned on my worship music and I began to glorify Him and praise Him in my home. And these are the changes that started happening. He started talking to me. I had this dream and I just feel so much closer to him now. Eric, the Lord told me to, to put cyber sitter on my, my computer so that I wouldn't go to areas that I shouldn't. And I obeyed him and I did it. I feel so much closer to the Lord this week. Maybe it'll be, you know, the Lord's been on me about meeting with this person and helping them in their walk, and I did it this week. And wow, I really was able to help them. Are you willing to obey the Lord this week and take the one? What I found in my walk with Christ, He didn't deal with me on 10 different fronts. He took one thing at a time, and He systematically began to get me free, and He began to get me obeying him and becoming a true disciple it was one thing at a time now maybe God's maybe you're a great multitasker and if you're a great multitasker maybe you can do more than one <laughs> but I encourage you let's obey the Lord today and let's follow him does that bear witness with you let's pray father in the name of Jesus we thank you for our time together I pray that you would do a work in our hearts this week as we make a choice to be a disciple rather than being a Christian. We want to follow after you. Father, bless each one as they go. God, reveal yourself to them. Thank you, God, for all of our guests today. God, encourage them as well to make changes in their life. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, go and be blessed. Love you in Jesus' name.